כמה דף נ"ב עמוד ב', limits of responsibility, מי אמרינו נמיגו דהווי פושע. During the Second World War there was a village in Europe, in Eastern Europe, and uh, the Germans came and they took everybody from the village and put them into the shul, we know this happened in other places too, locked the shul, poured petrol all over the shul, and were about to set the shul on light. There was a young yeshiva man there and, and his friend who started davening like crazy. The other people from the village were upset with him. So this is no time to daven, it's too late to daven. Prepare for your death, this is no time for, for tefillah. But they didn't take any notice, they continued davening and davening. All of a sudden there's a big noise at the door, the door bursts open and a Wehrmacht officer, a senior Wehrmacht officer comes in and says, what are you doing here? He says to his people. And he says, we're about to, to exterminate these Jews. He says, That's not, how can you do that? That's not what you do as a human being. That's not how we work. We, we have a system, we have a method. You don't burn people alive. That's not the German way. And he said, let them go immediately. And that person, that young boy, turned to his friend and quoted the Chazal, even if a sharp sword is on your neck about to execute you, at no time are you entitled to give up hope. That even at the last minute, there's, there's no point at which you can give up hope. Everybody was yelling at them to prepare for their death. It was, it was done. It was a done thing. Everybody knew what the Germans were. That there was going to be a nace that a German officer himself would step in to intervene. Oh, what, what chance is there of that? There's nothing at all. But don't, don't give up hope. And even though we learned in our last year that the angels step, step aside and stop protecting us once there's a gazera, but Tfilah can still help. That's the angels. The angels step aside. But Hashem is still in charge, of course. So the, uh, the, the angel can't intervene if Hashem has made a decision. As we said uh, in the last year, an angel can't intervene if Bezdin has made a decision. An angel can't even intervene or won't even intervene if you've made a decision that it's over. But even if there's been a gazero that it's over, tefillah can still turn the gazero around. Prayer can still turn the, the decree around and can bring a change in circumstance even in the last moment. At no point are we allowed to give up hope. Even in the last moment, that's what he said to his friend. That person survived the war and came to the United States. He, he became a butcher. His son was a butcher. His son was a shochet. Uh, he was a shochet and sons in, in Europe and he came to New York And he gave up Shechita because the New York butchers used to impose such a quota on them that he felt he couldn't, he couldn't shecht with Yerushimayim. So instead he took a job in a, in a butchery. That person's son, the grandson of the person who, who survived this terrible incident, is a very important follower of the Matmonim. So a big Talmud Chochem in, in New York, a wonderful person. I feel very humbled and, and, and honored that he describes the Matmonim as a work of art and exercise in perfection. And today is the yard site of his grandfather who, was, who survived that event. And today he's asked us to dedicate the shir to the Ilu Nishmas Reb Chaim ben Reb Yosef Herbst, dedicated by his grandson Reb Yisrael Meir Herbst, who we're, to him we're grateful. This is the second time he's, he's dedicated a shir. Today we're going to explore the boundaries of carelessness in a particular area and also experience some of the fineness of Torah thinking.
as we get to it. Now, we've already established that a bore, this mazik, this damage caused by the pit, this icon that we use as the pit for a particular category of, of damage, is unique and very different. And in the Torah, it says the real issue there is not that he dug the bore, but the fact that he didn't cover the bore is the real issue that we talk about. Al Gamora asks the following question. He covered the pit, but it wasn't a 100% covering. It was good enough for oxen, who are the animals that usually walk past the area. But if a camel were to walk past, this, this was not a strong enough covering to support the camel. And there are camels there. He should have thought of the possibility of camels coming. But in the end, camels didn't come. What happened? It started decaying. The wood, the covering started decaying after a period of time, and it collapsed. And then an, an ox or whoever was, was damaged. The Gemara says, do we hold him responsible because it all started out with some degree of carelessness? It's true, he can't be held responsible for not predicting the, the erosion of the piece of wood. But it wasn't a good enough cover. There are camels around there, and the, and the cover wasn't good enough for camels. Yeah, but camels weren't the problem. It was good enough for oxen, and what came there eventually was an ox. It's just that the covering was damaged by its own erosion, and therefore it wasn't his carelessness that caused it. But still, the covering wasn't a, wasn't a good enough covering. Do we say the covering wasn't a good enough covering? When it says, it means he must cover it with a covering that is 100% secure. Then if there's an honest, okay, I understand. But here it wasn't 100% secure. It was only 50% secure. It was good for, for oxen, but not good for camels. And the Gemara brings a proof and comes to the conclusion, Lo Amrin and Migu, we don't say this Migu, you're only responsible for what you, you predicted. You made a, a, a covering that was good enough for oxen. That's a good enough covering. The fact that afterwards it became eroded and it got damaged, that you couldn't have predicted, and that's called an anus. We're going to deal with the Baal Hamor, a question that the Baal Hamor asks, which many of the Rishonim ask. All the, all the Baalei Tosfus ask, Tosfus Rabbeinu Peretz and Tosfus Rid and, and our Tosfus and, and the Rashbo asks it as well. And we're going to deal with a very strange answer of the Baal Hamor. The Baal Hamor says there are two different issues in this topic. The one is the Migu that we're talking about. That is, we say, yes, what happened in the end was an honest, that's true. But you didn't do your job fully either, so you're responsible. The cover you put over the pit was not a 100% cover, and therefore it's not called yichasenu, that's not called a covering. So you've left the pit uncovered, and you're responsible for that, that's the, 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 which is what the Gemara is asking here. But ask the Balamor, we have another situation. And he brings a Gemara from Bov Metzir, which we'll get to not in not too long a time, where the, the Gemara talks there about a man who puts, he's got something to look after, he's a shomer, he is a guardian of, of property, of, of some, an asset that belongs to somebody else, and he puts it in a, a hut, which is secure against thieves, and it's stolen. And the Gemara says there, even though it was, they broke in, but they were just very smart thieves. It was a good protection against thieves, but it wasn't a good protection against fire. 
Had a fire come, he would have been a pocher, he would have been considered careless. How could you have put it in this wooden hut and you know that there are fires in the region? But a fire didn't come. A thief came. And it was well locked to protect from thieves. That case is called Tchilato Bipshiyavesofobonis. It starts off with an act of carelessness and it ends off with something that couldn't have been anticipated. These are the two different ideas which sound very similar. And the Balamor is exploring the difference. Remember the Balamor, so he's 13th century, he comes from Provence, and he writes this as almost a tosvis on the riff. The riff, like, summarizes the Gomorrah, is very short. It was the, the riff's methodology. And the Balamor was worried that the riff's methodology would penetrate Europe as great as the riff was. His, his work was so powerful, he was worried that the European method would be lost. The European method was the Baletosvis that we have in North, northern France and in Germany and the Chachomim of Provence as well, where they were very analytical. Everything was analyzed and compared and, and things weren't just decided. Always the reason was given with it. Whereas in the North African tradition, certainly the Rif and the Rambam was no reason. Just this is the halacha. This is how it is. This is the bottom line. And they were worried about bottom line kind of halacha penetrating Europe. So the Balamor, like the Raiva did with the Rambam, the Balamor did with the Rif. As, as high as he held the riff in his esteem, he still wrote this work to question the riff, to analyze the riff. And the riff comes to the conclusion like the Gemara does here. Yeah? And this is where the Baal Hamor asks the question, says, okay, I understand that Migu doesn't work. We say the fact that he coveted well enough for an ox, that's not called a pshia anymore. That's called a proper kisui. He covered it. But what about there is an element of pshia. There's an element of carelessness. He didn't make it strong enough for camels. So he was careless about protecting it against camels. As it emerges, it wasn't that. It, it, it eroded. The erosion was an honest. Why don't we consider this? It starts off with carelessness and ends with honest. And we establish in Bova Metzia that everybody agrees. You're obligated. That's called carelessness. If your carelessness results in something unforeseeable, but had you not been careless, the unforeseeable wouldn't have happened, you are responsible because you started off with a carelessness, even though the actual event was unforeseeable. That's Tchilato Bipshia, the Sofor Bonis. Why don't we apply that here, says the Balamor? Balamor gives a very strange answer. It's because Bor is different. What is different about Bor? Bor, in the case of, of the pit, you are not responsible to pay for broken vessels, only for the animal. So if an ox is carrying cargo, you have to pay for the, for the ox, but not for the cargo. That's Shoveloi Adam and Chamor Veloi Kelim. Shoveloi Kelim, Chamor Veloi Adam. That's Xeris Akos of the Torah says. So you see, Bor is different. That's all he says. That's all the Balamor says. So, so what? How does that explain why we don't say this is a case which ended with an honest, with something that was unpredictable, but it started with carelessness? And since the, the, you started with carelessness, let's say that you, that was not a proper cover. You didn't do your job covering the pit. And therefore, whatever happened afterwards, you should be responsible for. So the Rivo in Artosphus answers it, and the, the Ravav based in the Baal HaEshkol, who was a Rebbe of the Baal Hamor, answers it. The Baal Hamor brings his answer and pushes it aside and goes through it, and eventually he says, the only way to answer it is this idea that Bor is unique. And you know that Bor is unique because you're not Chayef for Kalim, you don't have to pay for the cargo, you only have to pay for the ox. That's a very unique din of, of Bor. And there would be no way to understand this Balamor except for the most wonderful sefer, which is called Neir Lamaor. Neir Lamaor is by Rebbe Orenstein. 
Bavir Orenstein was a Talmud of my father when he was a student at Witz in Johannesburg. And then he went from there, he, he went to learn. He married my cousin, Rebellia's granddaughter. He came to learn in Mir. She passed away. He then married another Talmida of my father. So my father has a great investment in this man, Rebavil Orenstein, who lives today in Telstone, is an Adam Gadol Mod B'Torah, is an, a giant in Torah. Quiet, he lives in Telstone. People don't even know him. And he wrote a book, The Neil Amor, on the Balamor, uh, through Shas explaining the Balamor. And the way he explains the Balamor is in the following way. He says, what the Balamor is saying is not just this a technical difference between Bor and between the other cases of Mazikin. We know we've got all these Mazikin. We've got Shor with all the different subcategories of Shor, and we've got Aish, and, and we've got Odoma Mazik, and we've got Bor. Bor is different from all the others, not just because of the technicality that you don't pay for the, for the cargo. The technicality reveals an essential difference. And the difference is, in the others... What you're responsible for is having in your possession a mazik that is unprotected. A, a cause of damage, you've got something harmful that is not well protected. You've got a gun and it's not in a safe. You've got something harmful and it's not protected. You are responsible because you've got something harmful unprotected. And you're going to be responsible no matter what happens. If you were careless in the protection, you are responsible for whatever happens, even if it's anonymous. Because that's the, the problem. The, the reason for the chiv is that you have an unprotected mazik. But in the case of Boro, that's not the issue. It's veloy chasena, as we started developing the idea a few days ago. It's veloy chasena. The thing with Boro is, it's not that you're in possession of, of a pit that, that is unprotected. You're not in possession of it. It's in Rishut Rabim. Your problem is you didn't cover it. So your problem is the pshia. You are careless in that you didn't cover it. Carelessness for not covering it is if, if the problem is you in your possession is a harmful object, then you are obligated for whatever harm it causes. But if you're responsible for the carelessness, then you start splitting the carelessness up. I was careless as far as camels were concerned. I wasn't careless as far as oxen were concerned. So is this called yechasenu? Did I cover the pit? Is this a covering? So what he's saying here is, at the end of the day, if you cover a pit, no matter what you cover it with, it's not protected against a banker buster bomb that, that, that you might drop on it. There's a limit to a man-made protection over a pit. It's never going to be 100%. So you've always got to look at it in terms of how well has it protected against what damage. You've got a home. Is your home protected against you? People ask, what happened in Gaza on October the 7th? And one of the things that the Israeli army is saying is the wall around Gaza was built for a few terrorists. It wasn't built for an army of terrorists. So we can say, does that mean we were, we were careless by not building it against an army of terrorists? No, it's a wall. It's a valid wall. It's a yechasenu. If you've covered a pit with a covering that works for oxen, that's called a kisu. You're no longer, you're no longer careless. The fact that afterwards something else happens, that's not that doesn't apply here because the issue is not your possession of the mazik. The issue is your carelessness with respect to specific things. Just as you see a bore, you're not obligated for cargo only for the ox itself. So you learn from there that the element of obligation is the carelessness, not the possession. 
And if it's carelessness, you've got to say, careless for what? And one has to, for this is a, a good example. We were careless in that we didn't protect our state from a massive threat coming out of Gaza. We didn't know that there could be, so that was careless. But to say the wall was worthless, no, the wall was built for what it was built for. It was valid for what it was built for. It, it kept individual terrorists out for years and years. That doesn't mean that was careless. So when we use the term of carelessness, whether within ourselves, whether we hold ourselves accountable or we're holding other people accountable, it's always important to distinguish what kind of carelessness are we talking about. Are we talking about a carelessness of an an umbrella nature? Now that you are careless, whatever results from your carelessness you are responsible for, as in the case of a shore or Aish, the other mazikim. If you're careless in the way you take care of a fire, whatever the fire does, you are responsible for. Or is it like a case of Bor? where it's not that you have something that you shouldn't have in the first place. It's, there is something damaging that you've created and you're obligated to cover it, to make sure that, there's no, that it is protected. And if you were careless in the protection, then you've got to look specifically at what that carelessness was. We haven't taken this idea to its, its full conclusion. We might have an opportunity to do so tomorrow on Daf, on Daf Nun Gimel. But just to open this idea on, on, based on the Baal Amor of how intrinsically different Bor is from the others. It's not a, the important thing from the Baal Amor, as Rebavil Ornstein explains, is this is not a technical difference. This is a foundational principle. When we're looking at Bor compared to the other Mazikim, there's a foundational difference in whether the issue is whether the chiyuv is that I possessed something that was unprotected or is the chiyuv that I was negligent in something in an obligation that the Torah gave me which I didn't fulfill correctly.